Welcome to Teaching Channel Talks. I'm your host, Wendy Amato. Each episode, I sit down with a different expert educator to chat about everything to do with teaching. This week, we're joined by Susan Lubar, founder and president of Growing Minds, which teaches mindfulness-based practices to schools around the country. Welcome, Susan. Hi, Wendy. It's nice to be here with you. I'm so happy to share a conversation with you about a topic that is important and essential to teachers. And to start us off, would you share a bit about your background and your work? Absolutely. Um, So it's been about 15 years since I've been running this company called Growing Minds, where we are working with educators. And although we originally started working through students to improve uh, classroom environments, teacher well-being, and just the community feeling within a school. And I thought that if I could offer every student two minutes a day, one minute to just settle the agitation in their body, and a second minute to set an intention as to who do I want to be? Is it a fireman? Is it um, a businessman? or a kind person, whatever it what would be that that student would define, they would get that compound value of setting it every single day. And I thought that over the course of a school year that that could have a tremendous impact in allowing every student to guide themselves. Well, Susan, this is an interesting time in education. We certainly had an adventurous last year or so, highly stressful for educators. What does this time in our world mean for the work that you do? The work of emotional well-being is at the forefront of every person's life after the pandemic. Uncertainty is at an all-time high, and it could be uncertainty of what's happening in the world um, and uncertainty of what's happening in my own personal life, my finances, my children, um, my own work. There's so many levels of uncertainty today and uncertainty in many ways has been found to be more difficult to handle than outright bad news. Um, it's, It's very unsettling for the human nervous system And as a result, I think people are just feeling unnourished. They need more nourishment. They need more feel good ways to spend moments in their day. And I think for growing minds, that's put what we do at the forefront because in all the concepts that we teach, well-being in that moment is meant to be designed as a choice. That the situation that you're in may not be comfortable, it may be unpleasant, it may be almost a form of suffering, but what can we do in that moment to make it just a little bit better so that we're not focused on the suffering? We're able to move through the emotions of it and then actually get into the problem solving part of it. You've made a beautiful distinction between being in a bad situation and being in an uncertain 
situation. And I, I think that is really uh, putting your finger on the pulse of, uh, of the top stressor for people right now. We can, as human beings, get through some dark times, but the uncertain times uh, take us to another level of anxiety and stress. Susan, I'm sure you've heard the analogy of a duck in water where the top looks calm and serene and composed and underneath the feet are paddling frantically. <laughs> what's what's healthiest for us? Do we do we express the the flurry and the panic or does having some kind of calm exterior give us a direction to move into or move towards? I think the most important thing is for a person to be able to step back and witness their own experience, what's happening above the water and what's happening below the water. We want to acknowledge what we're feeling. We want to name what we're feeling in order to tame it. That's a famous phrase, name it to tame it. So you want to say, oh, my stress is rising and this is what's happening to me. And then you want to be able to pause to reset your whole nervous system, like just give it a half a minute, a minute, five minutes, a good night's sleep, whatever you need to let that settle down so that you can see you have choices and can consciously choose. I'd like to move in this direction. It's a win for me and a win for you. But it's all about having self-awareness of your own patterns, knowing this is my pattern. When I get into a certain situation, for example, when I'm about to do a podcast, this <laughs> is what's going to happen to me. I know I don't really have to, I have to respect that pattern because it's telling me to be prepared, to be thoughtful, and to allow enough time. But I don't have to sort of freak out because I've done it and I know it's going to work out. I can trust myself. So you need the balance. Susan, Growing Minds teaches science-based mindfulness practices. You do that with schools and with companies. What have you been discovering about common misconceptions related to your work? Are there any myths that we can clear up for people about mindfulness practices? One is that you're going to be part of a cult, that you're <laughs> going to have to believe in something that's beyond your own experience. One thing I love about mindfulness is I can spell it. I really felt like when I would come home and share with my kids or my husband that I wasn't bringing in something that was bizarre. I can spell it, they can understand it. Granted, it's a tough word to understand, but it's something that you practice and then you reflect on your experience and then you're the judge. Does this work for me? Does this make me feel better? Am I learning something from this? Am I better off? And is it helping me in my relationships? So that's the very first thing. It's all about trusting your own experience. The second thing is the practices are so much simpler than you'd expect. And um, it's really about anchoring your attention to your breath or to sounds, your body, whatever you're doing in that moment. And when we focus our attention, what's surprising is that it allows our bodies to relax 
because when our minds are scattered and they're focusing on many different things, our minds get agitated because they start to think, what's wrong? What haven't I done? What do I need to get this person to do? And that's agitating. But when we're being mindful and we pay attention to something for a prolonged period of time, all the extraneous things on our list are out of focus. And so the nervous system calms down. You've described two common misconceptions. The first one is mindfulness really is personal. You're not becoming part of a hive mind. Uh, You get to trust your own experience and decide what mindfulness is for you as an individual. And then you've reminded us that mindfulness practices are simple. It's about anchoring attention, and uh, we don't need to make it more complicated than, than that. Are there other big picture understandings you'd like for people to have about mindfulness or other misconceptions that you've helped to clarify in your years of work? One thing that surprised me about mindfulness is the impact that improving my well-being has on my relationships. I did not realize the ripple effect that I have on the people around me. So what I mean by that, Wendy, is that my ability to manage myself, to just pause, to realize my stress was building up. And for me, that part of my stress building up meant I was gonna say something, try to fix something, change something, stop something. And the tone of voice that came along with those words was harmful. And I couldn't even, necessarily hear it. And I didn't understand the impact that I had when I used that tone. So the ability to become aware and acknowledge and accept that that was part of my stress and that that was pushing, shutting down my relationships has been so powerful for me. And I use that in all my relationships. You know, another example is as I began to offer compassion for myself, just to say, Susan, this is tough. This is hard. I'm not alone, though. Other people in my situation go through this. As I got better at that, I began to be able to say that to other people. And what they were going through didn't have to be life or death, it could just be an overload of emails not having a moment to run to the bathroom, not having time for lunch. Those are tough moments when they happen. In the moment, it's tough. And for me to have compassion for people who work for me, for people I work with through Growing Minds, for my family and for myself, that's really changed my life. If there's a motivation that we want to keep in mind, maybe it's that mindfulness work has a personal benefit, but Let's do it for those around us also. Let's remember that caring for ourselves, it's like the oxygen mask in the airplane. You need to put your own on first and then you can assist others around you. But by taking care of ourselves, we are showing love and compassion to others as well, bringing our best self to be an ingredient in those interactions and those relationships. That's a valuable reminder. 
we should all pause for a moment now and think about the relationships and interactions we have personal professional familial and uh, and pause and think about what we bring to those conversations in those spaces that wendy that's exactly what we try to bring to educators when we work with them can you become more aware of your stress, how you're managing it, how you're feeling it? And then can you nourish yourself a little bit more in that moment in some way? And I know people find it very, very difficult, almost impossible to imagine that, but we can easily bring that to somebody's attention and give them an awareness how to do that. And then can you, can you take a moment to be aware of how that's your well-being is impacting those around you. I know that you work with educators and with students. Are there strategies like that that work for, for us as educators helping others to focus or center or shift? One thing that's super powerful is to start working with a student or a colleague in a particular way. And I like to call that a purposeful pause. And when we do that, what we're doing is just taking a little bit of time to intentionally bring our awareness to ourselves and how we're feeling. So one of the most challenging things teachers are asked to do is gather the attention of their students. What does that mean to pay attention? It's, it's a very bizarre term because pay is like, I'm giving you money. Mm. When in fact, we're gathering our awareness as best we can in that moment, we are being pulled from what we were doing, what we would rather be doing. Maybe what we're getting paid to do or asked to do or graded to do. And that's not that easy because it's, it's just very difficult for the mind. And so to have that gentle transition, which I like to call a soft landing, just like an airplane landing softly versus a bumpy landing. Together, guide students or colleagues in a soft landing, this gentle transition of a minute to gather your attention. Because when we do that, then our attention is present. Then our bodies are more relaxed. And you can literally feel it in the room when you're a teacher. You can see that people appreciate. I've almost never seen a student not want to do a soft landing. I've seen a student who's not able to because they cannot, they don't have the skills to gather their attention. And again, I've seen adults not able to do that too. That's why we call it a practice, Wendy. <laughs> Right. It's ongoing. It's always, always rehearsal, never the show. <laughs> it sounds like repetition and establishing routine and creating mindfulness practices as a part of a larger routine makes sense. If we are going to rehearse this, if it is a practice, if it's something that we incorporate into our way of being, then attaching it to our day intentionally is, is a, a clear recommendation. 
Susan, thank you for sharing a conversation with me today and for the care that you've offered to the education community through your guidance and recommendations and for the misconceptions that you've cleared up. This is a, a, an opportunity for us all to grow and strengthen our, our best practices. Thank you so much, Wendy. Thanks for joining us this week. You can find the links Susan and I discussed in the show notes or at teachingchannel.com slash podcast. You can register for my free webinar with Susan and sign up for a mindfulness course built by Growing Minds and Teaching Channel at teachingchannel.com slash growing hyphen minds. The best way to support this show is to leave a rating or a review on your podcast app. That helps more educators find us, and we really appreciate it. We'll see you soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>